Lord Jesus, it's so great to feel your presence today, God. What a, what a sweet time it is to be with you, Lord. God, help us, Lord, today to place our lives under your control for what you do is always better. And Lord, when it does get difficult, when the attacks come, Lord, help us to keep on running the race that you have set for us. So God, I ask that you would just speak to our hearts today. Anoint this time. Just continue to anoint our morning and anoint your word with your Holy Spirit. Lord, pour out your oil upon us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about this man who came to a Little League baseball game one afternoon, and he asked a boy there sitting in a dugout what the score was. Well, the boy responded, well, there's no outs, but it's 18 to nothing. We're behind. Boy, said the spectator, I bet you're discouraged. Why should I be discouraged, said the boy. We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. I like his attitude, right? He may be down, but he's not out. Well, as we continue our study in the book of Hebrews, the writer encourages now the Jewish believers to get back into that spiritual race, no matter what setback you faced or went through, no matter what challenges you have faced, but the writer is going to ask them to keep on running. And that's the title of our message this morning, Keep On Running. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 12 through 17 this morning as we're making our way through this book. And our outline is this, number one, get back in, number two, get back up, and number three, get back out. And I'll explain those as we go. So, Keep On Running is our title. Let's get to number one in our outline. Get back in. Get back in. And we're going to be covering Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 13 here. All right. Look at what me here. Verse 12 says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And then verse 13, the first part, and make straight paths for your feet. We'll stop right there now. We begin with the word therefore. And remember, I always ask you, why is it therefore? Well, whenever you see therefore, you got to ask. Well, it's a conjunction. It always connects to something. And this connects to all the verses that we've covered so far in chapter 12. So you can look at it like this. When the writer says therefore, it means in light of the fact that we are in this spiritual race. Remember, we saw that at the very beginning of this chapter. In light of the fact that we're going through some hard times as we study. In light of the fact that there can be even times of discipline, as we saw last week in our set of verses before this. And so the writer saying, in light of the fact, therefore, with that reality in mind, when you get weary in the race, then he tells us three things that we must do. So first of all, when we get weary in the race, he says here, strengthen the hands which hang down. So as you can tell, the writer comes back to this idea of believers running their spiritual race as we saw in verses 1 through 3. Now, when a runner's arms start to drop, right, and droop down and hang down, they begin to lose their stride. They actually slow down because your arms actually help you with your rhythm to help keep you running properly. And so you got, he's saying you got to get your arms up. You got to get that rhythm again. You got to get that stride again. 
Then the second thing he says here is to strengthen the feeble knees or the weak knees. So what happens when we're running and we get tired? What happens? Well, our arms go and then next goes the knees, right? Our knees get tired. They don't lift up our legs as far and then you really start to slow down. And then finally, the third thing here is in verse 13. He says, to make straight paths for your feet. In other words, keep your path. Keep straight in the lane in your race. What happens, right, when you start getting weary in a race? You don't hold the line, right? Your feet just start to go all over the place, and then you start to wander around in your lane and even cross into the other lane. So here's the rider. He's like a coach telling his runner to pull it together, yeah? Get your form back, basically. Stay straight, keep the line, stay in your line. And this is what he's saying. And get back in the race. And thus our heading here, get back in. Get back into the race. Get back in the race. Now, remember, as we've been studying this book, how it has been very difficult for the Jewish believers. They've been suffering under persecution. There's been pressure from their families, stress from their fellow Jews. Remember, it was all 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 coming upon them that they would leave Jesus and go back to their old traditions and rituals. So a lot's been going on in their lives. And that's what we've been addressing really in most of this book here. Well, it's been hard. It's been exhausting. The battles and attacks have been difficult. And, And I understand, I was thinking, well, suffering, this kind of emotional, mental pain can make you want to give up. But, Like a runner in a grueling race, you can't give up. You can't lose your form or you start getting behind in the race. So the writer is saying to the Christian runner, get back in running the race like you should be. That's the idea here. Now, it's believed that the writer is actually quoting Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 through 4. And... That says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come to and save you. So the idea, remember the Hebrew writer has been quoting a lot of passages. And the idea is, this is what he's thinking about. Isaiah 35, 3 through 4. And it really literally says the same thing that he's written here. So what is he saying? He's saying like, in other words, don't slow down. Don't give up. Get your mind back in the game. Get your mind back in the race. For you know what? A better day is coming. God will save you. God will rescue you from your enemies. And you know what? Victory is up ahead. So keep on running. Our title. Which brings us to this first point here. Be the kind of runner who gets back in the race even after meeting great struggles. That's what he's encouraging. That's what he's exhorting the readers here, the Jewish Christians, under all this pressure and persecution. Be the kind of runner who gets back in the race even after meeting great struggles. Years ago, I was reading the Hall of Fame pro football player Walter Payton was said to be the most successful running back ever. 
During a Monday night football game between the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants, one of the announcers talked about how Walter Payton, the Bears running back there, had accumulated over nine miles of career rushing yardage. But then the other announcer's partner there, he said this, yeah, and that's with somebody knocking him down every 4.6 yards. I love that. That's it. If the difficult times knock you down, what do you do? Do you get back up? Will you get back up? Will you get back to running and choose to keep going anyway? Well, whatever has happened in your race, get back in the race. And you know what? There's a great reason to keep running. And this is what we see in the rest of verse 13. It says here, So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So the writer's saying, hey, get back to racing now. So what is lame? Now what is this talking about? Well, this speaks of those who are also in the race and that have been disabled. It's those believers who, because of difficulty, have stopped running. So here's the thing. The writer's saying, look, as you get back in, it helps the others to what it says here, not be dislocated. Dislocated uh, means like turning away. It means like giving up. But rather, they would be healed or they would be restored for them to also get back in the race. In other words, hey, you guys, you're an example. What you do will help others. And you know what? I I think about this. Coming off of chapter 11, right, where we had all these examples of Old Testament saints who, when they faced their challenges, when they got, were knocked down, when they, they, they got right back up and they, in faith, kept running their race. Well, that's what he's saying. You know, you guys are an example too. So the idea is this. When you get back in the race, it will encourage others who are discouraged. In his Greek lexicon, Zodiotis, uh, the author, he, he, he puts it this way in defining these verses he actually wrote this out he said that those who are wavering in faith may not be led to turn away but rather be brought back and established that's it that's the idea which is the second point here get back in the race to inspire others who are feeling like giving up or even have given up get back in the race to inspire others are feeling like giving up. Recently, I was sharing in a meeting this week about William Carey. He was a British missionary to India in the late 1700s. But you have to understand, when he went, no one was going out into foreign missions. When God, he was, he would pray with a map of the world on his wall and he would pray for all the nations and the countries in the world that that they would be saved and God would reach them and so when God put it on his heart to be a missionary you know what he went to his church elders and they basically told him they denied him they 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 put him down they say you know what if God wanted the heathen and foreign countries to be saved he would do it himself they they stopped carry right in his track but he didn't give up He kept sharing his heart. He kept sharing with others. And then soon, some other pastors, other guys began to share his concern and his burden. And and then, you know what? He ended up opening up his own missionary organization. 
And then this is one of my favorite quotes from William Carey. He said this, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. I love that. I think about William Carey. You know why? When I face opposition and when I come to roadblocks, when I come to my challenges, when I feel like I've been knocked down, I'm inspired by his life and how he kept going at running his race no matter, no matter what tried to stop him. And let me tell you this morning, that's what God wants you and I to be. That's what God wants you to be. Perhaps maybe you walked in here and, and, you, and you're about to give up. You're, in your race, you've been running really slow. You lost all your form. You're just dragging your feet, barely making it, barely wanting to even keep going. But God is speaking to you today and through the scripture today. You know, he's saying, hey, get up. Get into running. Get back in there. You know, keep on running here. Let, you know, look to the, those Old Testament saints. Look to those guys. Follow after them so you can be an example even to someone else. Step on that same path. Follow them. And that's what I think about. I think about many have gone before us. Many saints have walked this path that we're walking on now. And they made it. They went through. And you know what? I think, okay, I'm going to walk this path too. I'm going to run behind them and follow and be on their path too. You know why? Because I want to be part of that long line of saints that have gone before us. And hopefully, there'll be some people behind me too. Will you do that today? Keep on running. Get back in. All right, let's go to number two now in our outline. Get back up. Get back back up here we're going to cover hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 and 15 take a look with me here now hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 it says pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the lord now the writer says you must run your race with these two things in mind one now has to do with our relationship with others And the second thing has to do with our relationship with God. So first, as we run this race, we have to have in mind, we need to pursue peace. Now the word pursue means to press hard after. So we are to make every effort to have peace with notice. It says all people, not just saved people, but unbelievers too. I was thinking, you know, how hard it must have been with these Jewish believers who are being treated so badly. Hurtful things probably have been saying, said. It's probably an emotional time with them. There's a lot of pressure and stress because this is their family. This is their friends. And it's like they're, they're going against them when really they're just trying to follow Jesus and they don't believe in the Lord. So there's this tension and conflict that happens. And I'm sure it must have been so hard for them to to keep that peace, to love, to forgive, to give grace. But you know what? The writer saying to not do that was stopping them in their race. It would be a spiritual setback, basically. So first of all, they were to do all they can to have peace with others. That's the idea here. Remember, Paul wrote in Romans 12, verse 18, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. 
And then the second thing concerns our relationship with God. The first one is about relationship with others, but now the second thing is about our relationship with God. So he says here, we are to pursue, same idea, make every effort in holiness. Now the word there means sanctification. And that word means our growth in holiness, our growth in God, our growth in godliness, basically. So the writer's like, hey, we got to make every effort to be spiritually mature and live our lives in obedience to God, that we're living for Him. For in the same manner, without that purity in our lives, you know what? We're going to be stopped in running our race. And he says here, no one will see the Lord. And you know what this means? I believe this means if we don't run our race and do what we can to live godly life, no one will be able to see God in us. And to do that, we'll be stopping your race. It'll be another spiritual setback. So secondly, believers are to do all they can to live a God-reflecting life. Jeffrey B. Wilson wrote, All right believing in God is visibly reflected in right behavior. I like that. That's that idea. What reflects out when we're in obedience, living for God, spiritually mature, is, is we believe in God, and what reflects out of that is God himself. So overall, it is important to get your spiritual life, basically, this is it, to speed up again. This is what I mean with our outline heading. Get back up to speed. That's the idea. Get back up. And what is that? To speed. To get your life up to spiritual speed again. So not only are you to get back in the race, but you also need to get back up to speed. Get your life going in the Lord. Get your life living for God. Start making peace and, and, and you know, be at peace with everyone. You know, a few months ago, my uh, truck was having a little problem with its electronic throttle body, it's called. It's a part where there's this butterfly valve and it lets air into the engine and it's all controlled by the computer, so it's all electronic now. And without this working properly, the engine didn't really run right. I almost got stuck on the other side. Well, I did some research, you know. It's funny how you can find everything on YouTube now, you know. You can build things, repair things. You can, you know, remodel your whole house just watching YouTube, you know. It's crazy. My, my, my daughter, she learned how to play piano just watching YouTube. Uh, it, it's just wonderful because I was able to find someone replacing a part, and I found out it wasn't that hard. But once I replaced it, now the truck, the engine is back up to speed and that's the idea you guys we need to get up to speed in living this christian life don't slow down anymore no no go slow no wander get on that straight get your form up get running in this race and get back up to speed like you were before so our first point here is this after the setback get back to being right with others and living right with god that's the point here. After the setback or any setback, get back to being right with others and living right with God. My wife uh, shared this story at the women's conference the other weekend, and it's about Eric Little. Little. Uh, before his gold in the 1924 Olympics, Eric ran in a meet between England and France. And in this 400-meter race, the gun sounded 
but there was a lot of shoving going on trying to get you know into that inside lane right and so little got tangled feet with jj giles of also england and they and uh little tumbled onto the track after all the shoving and stuff was going on you know what he fell down he sat there dazed for a moment not knowing whether he could get up and then a fisher on the sidelines yelled get up and run and with that that got him up after that setback little little jumped to his feet took off after the pack which is now a full like 20 yards ahead of him in his unorthodox style of running, he unbelievably pulled into fourth place. And then he was 10 yards behind the leader, J.J. Giles. Well, with 40 yards to go, he pulled into third place. Then he pulled into second place. And right at the tape, he just passed uh, Giles, stuck his chest out, and he got the win. He won the race. An article appearing the next day in the Scotsman newspaper, he was Scottish, right? It, it said this about the race. The circumstances in which Little won the race made it a performance bordering on the miraculous. Veterans whose memories take them back 35 years or so were unanimous in the opinion that Little's win in the quarter mile was the greatest track performance they had ever seen. Isn't that awesome? Even though he was knocked down, even though he was like way behind, he got up, he ran, and he got back to speed, right? He got back up to speed. Maybe you've walked in here and you've been knocked down. Maybe this week you've been just walking in a daze because of some things that have happened. Well, God is saying, get up. Get up and run. He's like that official on the sideline saying, get up. Get up and run. It's time to get up to speed again. We need to do all we can to be right with others and live right before God. And then you will truly be running at full speed again. Then look at verse 15. Then the writer says this, Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now, just stop right there. Now, the writer saying, looking carefully. Now, this is speaking of looking out now. And he's talking about looking out for those people who fall short of the grace of God. And what is he talking about? It's those who fall short of receiving the gift of salvation. It's those unbelievers that, that they're, they're not all the way there saved. The idea, the writer saying, hey, be aware of those who seem to be running the race, but they really are not. You know, I was thinking about how not one of the disciples knew that Judas was really not a true disciple until Jesus pointed him out at the Last Supper. He looked like a disciple. He seemed to talk like a disciple. He walked with the other disciples. But in the end, he fell short of being one of the disciples because he never really did believe in Jesus. He ended up betraying him, right? Yet the interesting thing is Jesus still tried to reach out out to judas and that that's the idea this is the same idea the writer's like hey be aware of those who look like they're christians who look like they're in the race but they're really falling short they're not really believers and maybe they come to church and maybe they're here and all that but really inside they're not really saved but you know what what he's saying is be aware of them and do your best to help them to not fall short of that salvation help them to get back to speed, 
It means, you know, that they would get up and they would really truly come into the race in a real way. It means to reach out and lead these to come to true saving faith in Jesus Christ. And you know why that's important? Well, look at the rest of verse 15. It says, Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So why is it important to help them not fall short, help them really become uh, true runners in the Christian race? Well, because these individuals can become a root of bitterness. Now, this is talking about unbelief. See, unbelief can cause trouble in the church, which he says many have already been influenced or defiled or corrupted by them. So the idea is these who look like Christians but really aren't can be spiritually dangerous. Now the idea of all this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 18. And again, the writer is really taking a thought, a scripture out of the Old Testament. And listen to what Deuteronomy 29 18 says. It says, So that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations and that there may not be among you, right? Listen, a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. See, these people are those who on the surface look like believers and just like in this passage in Deuteronomy, hey, they, they, they look like Jewish people, but they went after idols. So on the surface, they look like believers, but underneath, they're really following the ways of the world. They're really going after other idols. And Jesus isn't really Jesus like how Jesus is to us. So they can be like a bitter root. That word bitter root means a poisonous weed that can contaminate and corrupt other believers. How do they do that? Well, we know in the church that it can happen by bad influences, right? Uh, we, we can be influenced by lower, lowering our standards as they may push everyone to be like them or by compromising the Word of God or influencing people maybe like being prideful or living in the flesh and not walking in the Spirit. So their influence can easily corrupt the believer's life. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three: Do not dis- be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits so you understand now the writer saying, hey do you all you can to bring these people to the lord because if they don't they will impede your speed so the writer's second point is this run in a way that you influence them more than they influence you that's what he's really saying here run in the way that you influence them more than they influence you. The commentator Thomas D. Lee wrote, Some individuals can act like a poisonous weed and utterly devastate believers around them. Concerned Christians must take actions to prevent this. And how is that? How can we prevent this? How can we be more of an influence than they are to us? It's by running your race at full speed. That's how. That's how. It's to live like God wants you to live. That's how. Listen, is the light of the truth of God shining bright in you? Is God's truth shining bright in you? Is the light of Jesus shining that pure and strong light out of your life? 
Because when it does, that's when we start influencing other people and they don't influence you. Because that light, that truth is so penetrating. That light is is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit coming out of your life. That light is so strong that people will be attracted to you and say, what's your secret? What's going on? I want to have your peace. I want to have your joy. How, how do you do this? How do you do this? And, and, and despite all the, the hard times that you face, that's that light shining out. It's Jesus, God. It's reflecting God, as I, I said earlier. Is that light shining like that? Well, that is how we are to run the race. That's what I mean by, by running strong and running with speed to the finish line. It's with that life of God and us living for God in a godly, holy way, obedient to Him, making peace with everyone we can, but living for Jesus, shining that light. You know that the ancient Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games that was one of a kind. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It wasn't the guy who who crossed the finish line first. But the winner was the runner who finished the race with his torch still lit. I like that one. I like that. I want to run all the way in my race that God has set before me to the finish line with my flame, my torch still lit for Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, let's go to number three in our outline now. Get back out so keep on running get back in the race get back up to speed and number three get back out and this is going to cover the rest of our verses here verse 16 and 17 in hebrews 12 hebrews 12 verse 16 it says lest there be any fornicator or profane person like esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright okay so the writer adds this be aware now of anyone who who, who's, who's not really there falling short of, for, uh, of grace there and salvation, you know, and help them out and be aware because, you know, they might influence you. And then also be aware because, hey, some people are like who this fornicator. The word fornicator means sexually immoral. And, or are profane. That means ungodly, someone who is ungodly. So he's saying, hey, you know, watch out. Of those influences of how it can hit you because, hey, like Esau was, he, he was this fornicator. He was profane. He was ungodly. He, he, was, he was sexually immoral. And you know what else he did? It says here, he sold his birthright for what? Food. For food. Remember how he was so hungry that he traded his birthright for a bowl of stool? to his, his brother Jacob. I mean, maybe it was really good stew. No, it, but, but still, it, it was crazy, right? He didn't care about the spiritual aspect of what this birthright me- meant. He didn't care, being the eldest son, that he could be the one who could, who could lead in the next generation the, the, the spiritual uh, truths of God. That's what it meant. It wasn't just, oh, getting the property and all this. But he was to be the, the leader of the tribe, of the, of, the, of the family, but lead them spiritually also. He didn't care about that spiritual privilege, the blessings of the elder son birthright. Esau had an ungodly attitude in that he only cared 
for fleshly things. That's this idea. It's just fleshly things. That's all he cared about. His concern in life was sexual pleasure and you could say physical pleasure. Yeah? Food and, and all. One pastor, a friend of mine, put it this way. He was more concerned with fun food and females. Very worldly, right? Very fleshly. And then our last verse, the writer adds, For you know, verse 17, For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessings, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. The writer saying, okay, later he realized that, no, he really did want the blessings of the birthright, but he was rejected because Isaac, his father, had already given it to Jacob. It's like Esau's like, oh, oh, oh I, no, 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 I, I, I want it. No, no, you know, pretend that didn't happen. You know, I ate the stew and all that. And it's like, oh, now you want the birthright? Now you want it, you know? But see, because of his ungodly state, he was rejected. And then it says, for he found no place for repentance, even though he begged with tears. In other words, what the writer is saying, even though he bitterly regretted the choice he made, he made, he didn't really repent. It wasn't really about, oh yeah, no, I want to be a spiritual leader. I, you know, I, I want to get back to God in that. So the idea is Esau wanted the blessing, but he really didn't want God in his life. You know, the writer is saying all this, and this is the idea. What stumbles us in the race is when we cater to fleshly desires. The pleasures of the flesh will distract us from the bigger picture of God's plan, especially when we're in the race. Because what happens is, is the race is, and I say is, going to get hard. We're going to have some difficult times. We're going to face persecution. We're going to face some times where you get knocked off our feet. Where we may even stumble ourselves. And we're going to have challenges and all. But what happens if we keep catering to the flesh? When the race gets hard, we will not want to keep running anymore. It's too hard, right? Because we're so used to getting what we want. And this is Esau. Sure, he wanted God's blessing, but not on God's terms. He wanted things done his way, what pleased him, what was most convenient for him, not God's way. His sight was set on these fleshly pleasures, not God's plan. Listen, Jesus has freed us from the bondage of sin and flesh. When he died on a cross and rose again from the dead, and when we come to him and we, we come in faith and we come, become saved and we believe in him, he frees us from that, all that bondage, puts us on that race. But when we start to focus again on the fleshly pleasures, when we start to cater to those things again, we stumble in the race. And then when it gets hard, then we're like, oh, I don't know. Because you've been getting what you like rather than doing what God wants you to do. So the writer's saying, hey, don't be like Esau. Get back out of the flesh. That's our heading. Get back out of the flesh. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. 
Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. No more, you guys. Catering to the flesh. Giving yourself to the flesh like Esau did because that will stop you in a race. And maybe it has. But the Lord's saying, hey, get back in. Get back up and get back out of those fleshly pleasures and desires and all. So our final point is this. Do not focus on fleshly pleasures, but care more for God's will and plan in your life. Do you hear that? Don't be like Esau. Do not focus on those fleshly pleasures, but care more for God's will and His plan for you in your life. I mean, remember we've been studying, right? And and in the beginning of this chapter where we read that God has set this race before you. When you come to faith in Jesus and you became saved, He put a race in front of you. And He put a plan in action he has a purpose in, in your life and where he's placed you and what family you're in, what job you're in, what school do you go to and, and the life that, that you live here on Maui, right? He set that race. And we need to get in that race. Get back up, even if we've fallen, even if we haven't been knocked, knocked out. Get going. Get out of the fleshly stuff. And get running here so don't focus on those fleshly pleasures but care more about this race that god has set you on his will his plan sometimes some people they'll only run if it's easy yeah if it caters to their convenience if it works out well if it works out i'll be there you know Listen to some actual responses from comment cards now um, at Bridger Wilderness Area Park in Wyoming. One comment card, you know, said, trails need to be wider so people can walk holding hands. Another comment card said, trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. It's too hard. I don't like that trail, you know, kind of thing, right? Another comment card said, Too many bugs, spiders, and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. Another one said, Too many rocks in the mountains. Like, oh, okay, we'll move all the rocks for you, you know. Another one said, Coyotes make, made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate. Another comment card said, Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. Last one, someone put, a McDonald's would be uh, nice at that trailhead. <laughs> Sometimes that's how we are, right? We focus on, oh, what, what, what's, what's more easier for us? What's more comfortable and convenient? And we, we focus on our pleasures. And so when the course gets hard, we tend to step out of the race. But the writer's saying, hey, don't, don't focus on your pleasures. Get back out of those fleshly things, but care more for God's will, His plan in your life, the race that He has set for you. Where are you today? Perhaps you've been operating on pleasing your flesh so much that now your race has gotten hard and then you're ready. You're done. I'm out of here. Sorry. 
I'm done. Let's stop catering to the flesh. Let's start getting in the race. Let's start running. Let's start, you know, you know when you haven't like worked out for a while <laughs> or, you, or you haven't, you know, like exercised. I remember there was a period of time I didn't surf for months, you know. And I go, oh, I got to go. I gotta. So I go out in the water and it's like, oh, 10 minutes. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. you know, it's like I, my arms aren't moving any water, you know. I mean, the water's moving me and there's no current, you know, going on. It's like ocean treadmill and all that. You know, I feel like that. You know, but God's saying, get back in, even if it's hard, even if it feels like, oh, this is going to be hard, but get into the race. Don't cater to the flesh no more. Do what God wants. Discipline yourself. You know what? Cater to the commitment you made to the Lord to live for Him. Cater to the commitment to be loyal to God that no matter how hard, I'm going to make myself do what it takes to run this race. Do that. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26 and 27, Paul wrote this, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others I myself should be qualified. I love that. Paul brings in that, that running idea or, or, or even a fighter or someone who, who goes and trains and he disciplines his body because our bodies, they don't like pain. Yeah? They don't like to suffer you know, during our workouts and stuff. It's hard. But we have a goal in mind. We're going to do that. And Paul's saying, hey, my goal, I don't want to be disqualified. I want to be running this way. I discipline. My, I make my body do what it's supposed to do so I can run my race for God. So I'm calling out to you today. Will you make a change today in how you live your life? Will you no longer cater to the flesh? Will you force yourself to follow God, to do what He wants you to do, and to be how He's made you to be as a believer Will you handle then the challenges you face? Will you handle it in the way He wants? Or will it be in the flesh? Or will you have a resolve in your heart to do God's will no matter what? We all have a choice here today. Someone said this, every challenge you encounter in, every challenge you encounter in life is a fork in the road. You have the choice to choose which way to go. And then he wrote this, backward, forward, breakdown, or breakthrough. I think we, some of us need that breakthrough this morning. What will you do? How will you live? But as we close, just remember this. When you do choose to live for God, when you do choose to run the race he set for you, when you do choose to to walk in the Spirit, not the flesh anymore, right? When you choose to jump back into this race, God is right there. Jesus is right there with you, especially in those difficult times. I'll close with this story. It was Monday night, August 3rd, at the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. At the track and field stadium, the gun sounded for the 400-meter semifinals. And about 100 meters into the race, Britain's Derek Redmond 
crumpled to the track with a torn right hamstring. Medical attendants rushed out to assist him, but as they approached Redman, he waved them aside, struggled to his feet, and he hopped in a desperate effort to finish the race. Even there's moments he was like even crawling there on the track. Derek had said to himself, I'm not quitting. I'm going to finish this race. He worked his way, hopping, crawling at, at, at all different things, struggling as he went down his lane. Suddenly, a guy wearing his T-shirt, tennis shoes, ran out of the, the, the stands. He somehow avoided security, and he ran to Derek's side. And it was Jim Redman, Derek's father. Arm around his son's waist, Derek's arm around his dad's shoulders. They continued down the track. It said that his mother was watching on TV. She started crying. It said his sister was there with the mother watching on TV, and she started going to false contractions as she was pregnant. There at the stadium, the crowd has started to stand, and they're standing, and they're cheering. When Derek and his father worked their way around the track until finally, arm in arm, they cross the finish line. Isn't that great? It really happened. But it makes me think this. If that's the way an earthly father responds to his son who's determined to finish the race no matter what, no matter what the price, how much more does God, our heavenly father, run to the side of his son or daughter who's saying, I'm finishing, I don't care how much it hurts, I don't care, I'm running this race to the end. So can you hear the Lord now? Can you hear his voice calling out to you? Get up, run. Can you see him that he will come to you and he will be there with you and he will give you that strength? So can you hear God now saying to you, keep on running. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we we come to you today and we confess that Lord, there's many times we have given over to the flesh and not walking the Spirit. Lord, we confess that we have doubt. We have given up many times. We have, Lord, felt like not trying anymore. But God, we call out to you right now and we ask that you would come pick us up that you would help us today, that you would come alongside us, Lord, like Derek Redman's Redman's father, Lord. That as we resolve in our heart, God, to persevere and endure, to get up, get going, to get in, to get back out of the flesh of where you rescued us, Lord. God, may you come and help us run the race, Lord, that is set before us. Lord, we understand and we accept that there will be hard times but God I know with a strong sense of your presence that I can keep going Lord I know that with your strength and Holy Spirit that I can keep going and so Lord I pray for those here today that are struggling God that that they may find the strength to take each step even picking up speed and never stopping from then. As our eyes are closed right now and our head bowed, I want to 
pray for anyone here who's been struggling in their race. Maybe you've walked in here and it's been a hard week. I was talking to the guys yesterday and it seems like everyone's been going through a lot of spiritual attack, struggles and all. And uh, I, I really want to pray for you and, and I want you to call out to God too by just put, put your hand up if you would like prayer today. Lord sees your hand. Put your hand up. It's been a lot of struggles. God bless you guys. Lord. The Lord sees you too. Many of you. Know this. As you put your hand up, God sees your hand too. And God knows what you've been going through. And God, because you're here right now, because you, you're hearing this message, you happen to be here today because the Lord wants to speak to you and encourage you today. So know He sees right, right what's going on. He sees where you're at. And he wants to help you right now. He wants to touch you. He wants to renew you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. God bless you guys. Lord, I pray for everyone here who's raised their hands, Lord, that, God, as we cry out to you with our hands up, Lord, that you would see us, see our tears, see our hearts, see our pain, Lord, see our struggles, God, see what we've been going through, and it's been so difficult, the attacks, Lord, the situations, what the world is doing around us, what others may have done, what maybe we have we failed you too, Lord. God, but we want to get up and we want to get running. Pull us up right now, Lord. I pray for those who raise their hands that right now you touch them by your Holy Spirit. That they would feel your renewing touch, renewing their, their strength, God. Giving them, Lord, a, a joy in their heart, Lord to once again run for you. Giving them, Lord, this, a new attitude, a new heart, God. Giving them peace, Lord, in the midst of all the trouble, in the middle of the storm, that you would be the eye of the storm, God, and give them peace, an oasis, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to come and fall upon them, fall upon us, Lord, and touch us now. I believe, God, that you want to do that. And I believe you want us to walk out of here. Maybe we're walking back into those situations again. But I believe, God, we are going to walk out of here in your strength, empowered by you, with a new resolve to run our race and run for the goal and run strong and live like how you want us to live. And so, Lord, set that in us right now. And I pray for these people right now, Lord. Speak to them, God. Give them wisdom, direction, Lord. Lead them by your Holy Spirit in what to do next, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.